Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov to all of you, lovely listeners of this great station, Jerut, a station of Divrei Torah, Divrei Musar, Divrei Alacha. Now, uh, today is Lag Baomer, that is the uh, anniversary of the Petira, of the great Tana, Tana Kadosh Rabishim Omar Yochai, Zechuto Yaren Arinu Amenkin Riasun. But I just want to start first with one, a couple of words from the parasha, parashat Bihokotai. It says, Im Bihokotai Telechu, if you walk in my statutes, Vet Mitzvotai Tishmeru, and you keep my mitzvot, Vaasitem Otam, and you do them. Now, in general, when we say Vaasitem Otam Asiyah, that has to do with mitzvot ase. Um, thou, thou shalt put on tefillin, thou shalt build a, a, a sukkah. These are mitzvot ase. So it's shayach to say va'asitem otam. Mitzvotai tishmeru, to keep and to watch, watch, watch out from the lota ase. That is the negative commandments. Watch not to do them. So we have covered both mitzvot ase and mitzvot lota ase. So what does im bechokotai telechu mean? If you walk in my statutes, that means if you observe my statutes, what does that mean? So Rashi Anav Shalom tells us what it means. He says, shetihyu amilim b'Torah. That we should actually spend time, effort, toil, labor in studying the Torah. Yes, we should labor in the Torah. There's a special mitzvah to labor. That's one way to acquire the Torah. And if you look into Masachet Avot, we're learning Pirkei Avot now, now with this between Pesach and Shabbat. And it says the following. This is Masachet Avot, Perikvav. Kach hidar kach shel Torah. This is the way to behave if you want to study Torah. Pat b'melach tochel. Be frugal. Don't be a glutton. Go ahead and spend your, 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 your time and your love just eating this and eating that. Umayim b'misurat ishte. And don't go ahead and be drunk all the time. Drink all kinds of wines and liquors on that. No, drink, you know, to society just to be able to sustain yourself. And then I'm skipping a little. It says, Ubatora ata amel. Ubatora ata amel. In Torah, we have amal, meaning toil and labor in the Torah. Vimataoseken, if you do that, if you are really amel batorah, ashrecha vetovlach. Fortunate it is for you and it's good for you. Why both of them? Ashrecha ba'olam azeh. Fortunate for you in this world. It's good for you in the next world. We see that there is such a thing as an amal in the Torah. Uh, I want to relate this to the Lagba Omer. Now let's see how. Let's, first of all, what happened in Lagba Omer? We know that in the days of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yahya, Allah Shalom, the Romans 
occupied the land of Israel, called at the time Judea. They were very cruel. They, they, uh, they had proclaimed all kinds of edicts and gezerot against our religion. And one time the Gemara says that Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Osi and Rabbi Yehuda were sitting together. And then there was another one with them called Yehuda ben Gerim. One of them was, cre- was said, oh, how great uh, are, are the, the works of the, uh, of the Romans. You know, they, they build markets, uh, they build bridges, uh, and, and, and uh, they build bathhouses. But Rabbi Shimon didn't like that. He criticized them. She says, what are, what are you talking about? Well, the bridges, because they, uh, they're they collecting money. People cross the bridges, they collect money from it. Bath houses is for your own. For your own. Uh, they, want, they, want, uh, they want to have pleasure. Go ahead and, and bath, uh, clean themselves, wash themselves. Marcus is for loose women, so on and so forth. But the word got through to the authorities. And as you know, in those days, this is not like today. We are the 21st century. Here we have freedom of speech. You can say anything you want about the president, the secretary of state, or anybody. Nothing happens to you because we have freedom of speech. In those days, it was different. You say the slightest little thing against the government, you are condemned to death. And the Gezerah came out. That Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was condemned to death. Luckily enough, he found out about it early enough, and he ran away. First he ran away to the Bet Midrash, where his wife was bringing food and so on. But then he realized that uh, his wife might somehow, if you tortured or something, she might tell him where he is. So him, together with his son, Rabbi Al-Azhar, they ran away, and they went to a cave. In that cave which is somewhere in mountains and deserted area, there's nothing to eat. Agadosh Baruch Hu brought him a tree of carob, carob tree, and a spring of water. And that what, that's what, what he subsisted, that's what he lived on for a total of 13 years. They only had one set of garments, one set. But they couldn't wear it all the time because then they'll become rags. They couldn't even wear it at all. And they had to pray. When you pray, you need something on. That is why they buried themselves in sand most of the day and learned Torah that way. Yes, they buried themselves in sand. Took out, they took off their clothes and buried themselves. And then when they had to, to daven, they had to pray, or make berachot, what have you, they put the clothes on. Now, If we just go and move forward another 70 or 80 years or so, at this time that we're talking about, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai already passed away. He was buried in a cave. Then his son Rabbi Al-Azhar also passed away, and he was buried in that same cave where Rabbi Shimon, his father, is. Then Rabbi Yossi, Ben Rabbi Al-Azhar, Ben Rabbi Shimon, that is the grandson of Rabbi Shimon, passed away. 
and they were bringing his coffin in order to be buried together with his father and the grandfather. All of a sudden, there was a, um, a snake that surrounded it, a big, huge snake that surrounded the cave, would not let them in. And they were praying, you know, please, you know, snake, achna, achna, meaning snake, snake, you know, get out, let, let us go in with the coffin. Nothing to it. Nothing, they won't let. So what happened? But kol yatsta, a voice from heaven came and said, lo gadol mizeh. No, not because these Rabbi Lazar is greater in Chokhmah, in Sitkut, in Hasidut, in Arbiusi. No, no, they, they're pretty much equal. Ela, zehaya betsa'ar me'ara, vezelohaya betsa'ar me'ara. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Lazar, they lived in a me'ara, betsa'ar, with amal. There was toil. But Rabbi Yossi didn't. See, that was the difference. Rabbi Yossi was, was equal in scholarship. But he didn't have the Amal. That Amal is very important. Actually, uh, when, when Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai came back, and his son-in-law, Rabbi Pinhas bin Ya'ir, was famous for many things in the Gemara, when he saw the skin on his back full of boils and, 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 and holes and hives and all kinds of, of things. He started to cry. And he said to Rabbi Shimon, Would to me that I saw you like this. What did Rabbi Shimon answer the son-in-law? Amalo. Fortunate you are that you saw me like this. Because if not for this, I wouldn't be what I am now. And it continues and says, before Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai went into the cave, and when Rabbi Shimon would ask his son-in-law Rabbi Pinchas a question, Rabbi Pinchas would answer him with 12 answers. When he came back from the Me'ara, from the cave after the 13 years, the opposite, when the son-in-law would ask a question to Rabbi Shimon, he would respond with 24 answers. That's, that's how great of scholarship and Talmud he has acquired during that time. Interestingly enough, you know, we have in the song of uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, you know, Bar Yochai Nimshachta Hashrecha and so on. Uh, this song is actually is, is universal, uh, both Sefaradim and Ashkenazim, they sing it. It was, uh, uh, it was uh, posed by Rabbi Shimon bin Lavi. And uh, there was uh, there's a, uh, a couple of words there that says, Na'ase Adam ne'emar ba'aburecha. Let's make a human being. And that was said because of you, meaning because of you, Bar Yochai. What does that mean? Well, the, 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 the plain meaning is that when Akadosh Baruch Hu wanted to create a human being on the sixth day, so he wanted to consult with the Malachim to teach us a lesson. He didn't have to. 
teaches that even a king or an emperor or a shah or whatever, a sultan, it's nicer to consult, even with lower level officials. So that Naase Adam Neemar Baburecha. The fact that Akadush Baruch Hu wanted to create the human being, that's because of you. Because of your zechut. Your zechut. Hashem knows you're going to be here in this world. Because of your zechut, Hashem created him. That's one pshat. But there's something interesting that has to do with what we're talking about, the amal. When Adam Arishon was created by Hashem, he didn't have any clothes on. When did he realize that he didn't have any clothes on? After he sinned. Then he realized that. But before that, when he was pure, he had no yeserara, he had only yeseratov. It didn't bother him. He was without clothes. So this is what the, what the uh, composer, Rabbi Shimon Milavi, is referring to, Naaseh Adam. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Naaseh, created him without clothes. You, because you are the only Tana, the only great sage in the history of the Jews that was without clothes like Adam Arishon, almost 13 years. Why? Because he, when he was buried there in the sand, he had Amal Vatorah. And he was Zocheh, of course, at the end of his life, to be given permission to, to reveal the secrets of the Zohar. And I would like to uh, dwell a little bit on that. We know that during this time, the Sefirah time between Pesach and Lag Baomer, and the Sfadim, they go on until Lamedalet Baomer. We don't shave or schedule any weddings until the 34th. We say, Metu, the students of Rabbi Akiva died. How many? 12,000 pairs, meaning 24,000. Why? That's what it says. They did not give proper respect one another. Of course, we don't really understand the full meaning of it, we're not talking about simple people. We're talking about people like you and me. We're talking about great sages. People that were versed in the Torah completely. But we have to understand that even the slightest little thing, the greater a person is, the more Hashem is midakdek. It's more precise. Now, we do mourn we're in Avilut for this 24,000. And many people have asked me, Rabbi, what, what, what does this mean we're in Avilut for the 24,000? How come we, we were never in Avilut for other Tanaim, for other Gedolim? Never. Rabbi Yohanan Zakai, we, we don't have any Avilut for him. Six million Jews. Died. We don't have a velut for that. Oh, we, we have a, a Yom Azikaron or whatever Yom, yom Shoah that we remember them. True, but there's no mourning. The mourning for the people of the Inquisition. Why this 24,000? How come? Because there were sages. Many other sages in our history, we don't mourn them. Well, 
in order to understand this, we're going to have to go back a little bit and understand the time, the era that the Jews lived in and the environment they lived in. We're talking about a time which was very, very bad time for the Jews. The Romans were the rulers of Judea. And they were cruel to the Jews. They were cruel to them. And we have to understand that the Talmud at the time, you know, they were afraid to uh, put in a, a, a big criticism against the Romans. So we don't really have a lot of material in the Gemara that speaks about the times, except for the fact that we do know that there was many Gezirot, we're doing a lot of things there. But their hands were tied in a way. We know that the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed uh, in the year was 68, and, and tens of thousands died at that war. More over half a million people died. Other tens of thousands were starvation. Others were sold as slaves or taken as slaves to, to Rome. To this day, in the Arch of Titus, which is in Italy, it says, Judea Capit, Capita, meaning Judea is kaput, finished, it's gone. In Mahshimu, Titus is the one that, uh, um, uh, he, it was the general at the time that destroyed the second Beit HaMikdash. Now we're talking about some time later, around 130 of the common era, one, around there. And the, the Jews were really chafing. They, they were choked. They wanted to get rid of Rome. It was like ripe for the, for the people at the time to revolt. So comes in a man very, very strong man, Gibor Hayil, by the name of Bar Kosiba. Now, Bar Kosiba was very much, he himself was uh, uh, trained at war, it was, it was Gibor Hayil, and, uh, and he trained other soldiers. As the, uh, the, the history says, like the, the, he trained around 200,000 soldiers. And he only accepted those people who showed some kind of, of, of a koah, some kind of valor. For example, he would, he would accept only those people that would be running on a horse. And when they see, when they, there'll be a, uh, a small young tree planted, and as they're running, they will uproot the tree. That kind of strong people is what he recruited into his army. Rabbi Akiva, the great sage of that time, whom everybody respected greatly, he endorsed him. Not only endorsed him, he actually called him the Mashiach and gave him a new name, Bar Kochba. Rabbi Akiva was thinking that this was the time to have a new era, a new messianic era, he trained 24,000 students. Why? Because he figured if 
they can defeat the Romans, and we'll have kibbutz galuyot. They will have people, the Jews coming from all over. And he needed all those teachers to teach all the Jews in the world and start a new era, the era of the Mashiach. This is what he had in mind. Rabbi Akiva was very smart. He understood the times that he was living in. And we also have, you know, if you look uh, at, at those times, you'll see that we are here in the year 130, 135, where pagans themselves, people that were uh, uh, worshipping idols, the, the, the upper class, the civilized, the ones that were educated, they finally started to realize, what are we doing here? I have here a, uh, an idol made out of stone or silver or gold or whatever, wood, and I'm, I'm prostrating myself to this. I'm asking this to, to do something for me. I'm praying for, from a piece of wood to give me a child or to make me rich or what have you. Well, it's ridiculous. They finally dawned on them. They have eyes, but they don't see. They finally realized. <laughs> they have a shape of ear over there. They don't hear. Nothing. So they started converting to Judaism. Thousands and thousands of pagans converted. Another thousands and thousands and thousands were sympathetic to the Jewish cause. In fact, they say that even in the Senate in Rome, there were some senators that converted to Judaism. So if we can re summarize this, approximately 20% of the, uh, the pagans either converted or sympathetic to, to the Jews. Now, figure also, if you start a revolt now, perhaps all these people will help. That would be a good time for getting rid of the Romans. And in fact... At the beginning, it went very, very well. There were two legions in Judea, one in Yerushalayim, one in Megiddo. They were completely decimated by the soldiers of Bar Kokhba. They brought in reinforcements. They were also uh, decimated completely. So now... The Romans were gone, temporarily. For about three years or so, the Jews at the time were, if you want to call it the word independent, in the sense that the Romans were not there. They went inside. They went uh, in the area of the temple, and uh, supposedly they already had plans to rebuild the, uh, the third uh, Beit HaMikdash, and so on and so forth. So for three years... They were on their own. Terrific. But the Romans in Mahshimah Vizikram are not going to forget. No, 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 no. The other time was the Emperor Hadrian, and he called in his best general, Severus, at the time. He was fighting in Wales, that's the north of England, 
and in Gaul. Gaul is present France. Uh, France nowadays used to be called Gaul, J-A-U-L. Now it's called France. He recalled him with his best soldiers to come and fight the Jews. Well, there was still a chance that they could uh, beat them. But certain things went sour. And the first thing was Rabbi El-Azhar. The Tanna Rabbi El-Azhar was a great scholar, a great man, a great tzaddik, who was praying every day to save Yerushalayim and the Bnei Israel. He was murdered by whom? None other than Bar Kokhba himself, who was his nephew. Realize that? Why? Because somehow somebody told him that he was collaborating with the Romans, which is not true. It was not him. It was the Christians at the time. Remember, this is the time the Christians started and they hated the Jews. They didn't want Judaism. They wanted, of course, to have their own religion uh, being the one that's adopted all over the world. But once Rabbi Hazar passed away, and then came the idea of the 24,000 Tamidim lo nahagu kavod and they were also punished by Akadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabbi Akiva realized his dream of independence and messianic era just is not going to be at that time. It was not the right time. Well, of course, uh, we know from history that the Bar Kokhba War ended with hundreds of thousands, not tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of Jews that were murdered. Yes, unfortunately. So, let's keep in mind now, when we are mourning the death of the 24,000 students, of Rabbi Akiva, it was not only the fact that they passed away, but it was the fact that with that, the whole idea and dream of independence of Israel and having the Mashiach and living a whole new life now, life of Torah, life with the Beit HaMikdash, they only had plans somehow. That was completely gone. It's not just the death of these Talmudim, but it's a whole, a, a, a whole idea behind it of independence and a time of the Mashiach. That also died with it. We're mourning that. And this deserves some mourning. That is the Avilut. Fortunately, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who passed away during the Lagba Omer, where they stopped dying, was the last day of his life, Lagba Omer. And at that day, he was given permission to reveal the secrets of the Zohar, the secrets of the days of the Mashiach, the secrets of everything. Prior to that, Quite possible people knew about those things, but was never put down on paper. He was given permission, and he asked Rabbi Abba, and some of the students there. He revealed to them the secrets, 
and also permission to write. And as we see in the Zohar, the way Rabbi Abba describes it was that when he was looking at Rabbi Shimon high, his face was illuminated. There was some kind of spiritual fire all around the house that whole day. This is why we have the bonfires, by the way. The bonfires, this is to commemorate that, uh, that illumination that they, they, of, of, the, of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and, and that fire that was all around. But uh, this is why also we celebrate. We celebrate for this the fact that at the last minute, like Ba'omer, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai revealed all the secrets of the Zohar. Here are some that the Zechut of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai again alenu. And that with his Zechut, with his Torah that he brought in, with all the Torah that Rabbi Akiva, he renewed everything, all the Torah. If we do dedicate ourselves and put Amal, as we said before, in the Torah, Be'ezrat HaShem HaKadosh Baruch Hu will send us our Mashiach Sitkenu. Amen. Please remember always this, uh, uh, this station. Try to help as much as you can. Now, if you like this shiurim, I always give a shiur on Shabbat one hour before Minhat SLC. And if you have any simha, please look us up. Okay, Shavuatov, Tiskula Mizvot.